Hello, fantasy friends. I'm Scott Cullen, host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's looking like it's going to be a long time before the 2020 Major League Baseball season is ready to start, so I'm taking the time to look back at the most historically productive seasons by position. I get it. No one's really thinking about baseball right now, and that's okay. But if you want to break from the dread, hopefully some baseball stats and analysis can help with that. Uh, You can also look back at at some of the previous podcasts we've done on top rookies and sleepers and breakthrough players, uh, draft strategy, position-by-position preview, uh, injuries, position battles. I suppose we could do another one on injuries for Noah Syndergaard, uh, a Mets starter who I was really looking forward to uh, targeting this year. Uh, But for now, uh, a little bit of history as we uh, continue down the top 10 fantasy seasons by position. Today, it's starting pitchers. And before we get to that, one reminder, you can tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On Fantasy Baseball. And with starting pitchers, we'll go with the honorable mentions. And I'm going to start in 1904 with Jack Chesbro. And there's obviously a real change in how pitchers have been used over the years. Uh, And back in 1904, Jack Chesbro won 41 games. At a 1.82 ERA, 0.94 whip, 239 strikeouts. But at that time, you know, pitchers obviously were used differently than they are now. And so six pitchers won at least 25 games that year. And Chesbro didn't have a whole lot of strikeouts relative to, to other pitchers. Uh, Rube Waddell, Christy Mathewson, some character named Cy Young, they were pretty great back in 1904 too. Uh, all those guys can, can qualify as honorable mentions. Uh, same with 1908, Christy Mathewson. 37-11, 1. 1.43 ERA, 0. 0.84 whip, 259 strikeouts. Uh, Ed Walsh won 40 games that year for the White Sox, but there were 18 qualified pitchers with an ERA under two. Obviously, this is just a, it's a different era. And, and some of the pitchers with those ERAs under two include Walsh, Cy Young, Addy Joss, Mordecai Three Finger Brown, legendary pitchers of that era, but it's really hard to compare that era as well to to more modern usage. So uh, we're vaulting forward from there to 1946. Hal Neuhauser uh, with the Tigers was 26-9, and nine, had a 1.94 ERA, 1.07 whip, and struck out 275. That's the second best impact among, pitch- among pitchers that season behind Bob Feller. Uh, but there's a real gap between Feller and Neuhauser and the rest of the starting pitchers uh, in baseball that at that time. So uh, Hal Neuhauser... Had an awesome season, but it's not not quite awesome enough to sneak into the top 10. Then we go to a couple uh, great, great seasons in 1971. Fergie Jenkins, uh, 24-13. and 13. His ERA was 2.77, which is a little high, you know, when we're, when we're talking about the best of the best. Had a 1.05 whip and, a, and 263 strikeouts. Uh, his, his war uh, would have been better than, say, Tom Seaver, but Seaver's um, fantasy results were probably a little bit better. Even though he, he won 20 games as opposed to 24 for Jenkins, he had an ERA of 1.76, a 0.95 whip, and struck out 289. Uh, a terrific season, you might say, for Tom Seaver. And thing is, at that time, they weren't the only ones having uh, big seasons. Uh, Vita Blue and Wilbur Wood both had ERAs under two that season and both won more than 20 games. And so... Uh, obviously a, a pretty strong pitching class at the very top in 1971. In 1973, Burt Blylevin uh, won 20 games, had 2.52 ERA, 1.12 whip, and 258 strikeouts. He was probably the most valuable pitcher that year in terms of uh, a balance across the, the board, but 
there were a lot of contenders, Nolan Ryan, Wilbur Wood, Tom Seaver, Don Sutton. Ryan, Nolan Ryan is probably the most interesting. He had an amazing career, obviously, but even in his best seasons, they, they come with some flaws in terms of, say, fantasy production. He had more than 300 strikeouts five times, uh, but only won 20 games twice. And his ERA tended to fluctuate a bit, and his best whip seasons came right near the very end of his career in 1990 and 1991, uh, when his walk rate had gone down a bit. But he never quite put it together to have a season that would qualify for the, the top 10, uh, maybe not even the top 20 uh, of all time. And, and so uh, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, some of Ryan's excellence is, is in his longevity, uh, but uh, he also had years where he was striking out 300, uh, I think 383 uh, one year. I mean, that's an absurd number. And, and the, the rest of his stats that year just didn't quite make it for uh, the top 10. Uh, and then we got 1981, uh, Fernando Valenzuela, uh, Fernando Mania in Los Angeles had a 13 and seven record, 2.48 ERA, 1.05 whip and 180 strikeouts. This is where I remind you that 1981 was a lockout or a strike season. Sorry. And so if you prorate Valenzuela's, uh, win totals, he's looking at 19 and a half wins and strikeouts up to 270 strikeouts. That's suddenly a much more dominant sounding season. Uh, his best contenders that year would have been uh, Steve Carlton, who had very comparable numbers, a slightly higher whip, and Nolan Ryan, who had a 1.69 ERA that year, but oddly enough, didn't have as many strikeouts, uh, didn't have as many wins, or or and had a higher whip than Valenzuela. So you know, Fernando uh, was a sensation in 1981, and and for good reason. He was the the best pitcher. Uh, and then move ahead to uh, 1998, Kevin Brown with the Padres. And, you know, think of all the years of Kevin Brown's career. I'm not sure the San Diego Padres era uh, stands out a whole lot, but uh, the numbers were great that year. He was 18 and 7, 2.38 ERA, 1.07 whip, and 257 strikeouts. In that season, he was better than Roger Clemens, Randy Johnson, Greg Maddox, Pedro Martinez, Kurt Schilling. Like that's a uh, a murderer's row of great pitchers. Uh, and Kevin Brown w- was better than all of them that year. And uh, the thing Maddox, uh, when we talk about how Nolan Ryan doesn't quite qualify, Maddox was a great pitcher as well. But he had relatively low strikeout totals throughout his career that uh, prevented him from being an elite fantasy performer, even if he would get uh, the wins in ERA and whip. He, he never quite uh, got over the hump when it came to strikeouts uh, to be at the very, very top in terms of fantasy. And then go to last season, 2019 Garrett Cole uh, with the Astros was 20 and 5, 2.50 ERA, a 0.89 whip, and 326 strikeouts. That puts Cole ahead of Justin Verlander, his teammate uh, with the Astros, uh, Jacob deGrom, Zach Granke. Uh, wins aren't as common really for high-end starters uh, at this stage. Uh, there were six pitchers with 17 or more wins last season and none more than uh, Verlander's 21. Since 2010, there have been 23 20-win seasons uh, for starting pitchers. That's basically a couple per season. And uh, 2011, Justin Verlander, when he won 24, he's that's the only one in the past decade with more than 22 wins. And so you just it's getting increasingly rare uh, that the guys are going to put up really high win totals. And, and so Cole managing... 20 wins last season with a, a great whip and 326 strikeouts. That's a, that's a really strong season, a contender to, uh, to make the list, but it didn't quite. 
Uh, you know, Clayton Kershaw, I don't know we have exactly one season for Kershaw, but from 2011 through 2015, his average season was 18-7 and seven with a 2.11 ERA and a 0.93 whip with 250 strikeouts. He just didn't connect uh, his stats all in the same year, and some similarities to Nolan Ryan, I suppose. The years that uh, Kershaw won 21 games, his strikeout numbers weren't great. The year that he struck out 301, he only won 16 games. So a great year, but not quite top 10 uh, worthy. You can look at uh, other modern-day pitchers like Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. They can get close uh, for consideration with some of their best seasons, but not quite. And uh, So maybe one more honorable mention before we uh, get into the top 10 will be 1997 Roger Clemens. Uh, his first year with the Blue Jays, uh, Clemens was 21-7, and 2.05 ERA, and a 1.03 whip, striking out 292. Uh, this is Clemens' best season uh, in his career. He was third in strikeouts behind Schilling and Pedro, uh, second in ERA behind Pedro Martinez. But it's a, that's a pretty phenomenal season. It gives you kind of some idea, I guess, what we'll be looking at uh, as the top 10 uh, begins. And we'll get to that after a break. And we will come back and get down to counting 10 to 1 on the top fantasy seasons for starting pitchers. And we're back, counting down the top 10 fantasy seasons for starting pitchers. We're going to get right into it at number 10, Ron Guidry in 1978 with the Yankees. 25 and 3, 1.74 ERA, 0.95 whip, and 248 strikeouts. Now, part of the establishing a value for a pitcher in terms of fantasy is how it's relative to uh, other pitchers that year. And in Guidry's case, his 1.74 ERA was a half run better, and more than a half run better than any other qualifying pitcher. His 0.95 whip was a tenth of a base runner better than any other pitcher that season. Uh, in Louisiana Lightning, he was third in strikeouts that season behind J.R. Richard and Nolan Ryan. He never got the, this good again, but in 1978, Ron Guidry was everything you could ask for in a starting pitcher. At number nine, uh, 1971, Vida Blue. Uh, we talked about uh, Fergie Jenkins and Tom Seaver in 1971, but Blue uh, was even better uh, than, than those two. Blue was 24 and eight with a 1.82 ERA, a 0.95 whip and 301 strikeouts. <laughs> Much like Guidry, uh, Blue was never uh, at this level again in his career, uh, but in that season, he was better than Seaver and uh, Fergie Jenkins and, and Willie Wood, uh, a, a great season for sure. And then we'll move into number eight, which is Bob Feller in 1946. He was 26 and 15. Obviously, the, the usage in 1946 was a little bit different than it is now. Uh, 2.180 ERA, 1.16 WHIP, which is a little high uh, in terms of the, the guys we're talking about, and a 348 strikeouts. Uh, you know, this is Feller back from the war. He pitched nine games in 1945 after missing 42, 43, and 44. Uh, but 46, he was back in, in the kind of the, his best form ever. He also walked 153 batters that season, which leads to that, uh, that whip being as high as it was. Uh, and Feller and Neuhauser, who, uh, who had 275 strikeouts, we talked about him in the honorable mentions, they were the only starters that year with more than 175 strikeouts. So... You had two guys with more than 175, and Feller was leading them all with 348. So he was kind of on a different level than all the other starting pitchers back in 1946. Now to, to number seven is Bob Gibson in 1968. Uh, now this is interesting because Gibson famously has a 1.12 ERA that year, which 
uh, you know, is preposterously low. Uh, but 1968 was really a, a pitcher's year. And so Gibson had 22 wins, a 0.85 whip, and 268 strikeouts. A great, great season. Uh, but there were seven pitchers that had ERAs under two. Uh, 21 had ERAs under two and a half. Uh, and so Gibson, you know, as phenomenal as a 1.12 ERA is, uh, it, it was somewhat tainted. I mean, not really tainted. You wouldn't not saying that, but it's just not quite as impressive uh, when there are so many pitchers putting up big number or great numbers that year. Uh, he was second in uh, WHIP, third in strikeouts, uh, and you know who was not too far behind him uh, in many cases was Luis Tiant. Tian won 21 games, had a 1.60 ERA, 0.87 whip, 264 strikeouts that year for the Indians. Not that far off of Bob Gibson's numbers in 68. I mean, aside from being a half run behind uh, on ERA. And so we're going to move to number six, and we're also staying in 1968 uh, for Denny McLean. And this one's fascinating because McLean not only had a strong season in terms of ERA, which is 1.96, and whip, which is 0.90, uh, and he struck out 280, but he had 31 wins. Uh, he's going to be the last pitcher who to win 30 games in a season. Since then, uh, which is 1968, 52 years ago, no one's won more than 27 games in a season. The last time that happened was 30 years ago when Bob Welch won 27 for the A's. Uh, McLean, you know, wasn't as say dominant as as Gibson was in 1968. But the fact for fantasy owners, you would look at uh, the 31 wins is. I mean, that's difference-making all on its own. And uh, the fact that he was strong across the board otherwise uh, just solidifies that that value for Denny McLean. So as we get in towards the top half of the starting pitcher seasons, uh, I've only picked one season per pitcher uh, among these guys because some of them uh, could have could have had multiple entries, which would really uh, thin things out. So number five is a guy who, who certainly has a lot of contending seasons. It's Randy Johnson. So I'm picking his 2001 season, his uh, last year of his first stint with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, that year, the big unit went 21-6, and six, at 2.49 ERA, 0.90 whip, and 372 strikeouts. Just phenomenal. Uh, his closest competition uh, that year was Kurt Schilling, his teammate. Uh, and other big winners that year, uh, Matt Morris, Mark Mulder, Roger Clemens, they either didn't have the strikeouts or had significantly higher ERAs. It wasn't really close for who was the best pitcher in baseball in 2001. And that's uh, fairly, you know, we're catching Johnson right in his his prime. In 1999, his first year with the Diamondbacks, he had 364 strikeouts. Uh, in year 2000 uh, with the Diamondbacks, he had 19 wins, 347 strikeouts. In 2002, uh, he had 24 wins and 334 strikeouts with the Diamondbacks. And any any of those years are certainly worthy of uh, contention here in the top 10, and that's such is the case with Randy Johnson. In those peak years with the Diamondbacks, he was really great. In 1995 with the Mariners of the year, he went 18-2. That one was pretty good too. And so uh, that'll take us to number four, uh, Walter Johnson. Uh, I, I don't often go way back into the... Um, you know, more than a century ago for, for guys in the top 10, but uh, we'll go one nod here for, for the big train. Uh, he ranked in 1912, he was 33 and 12, had a 1.39 ERA, 0.91 whip, and struck out 303. Now, again, we, we talk about usage being much different back then. 
but he ranked second in wins, first in ERA by more than half a run, had 45 more strikeouts than Joe Wood. Uh, the, and Joe Wood's the guy who had one more win uh, than Walter Johnson that year. And Johnson's whip was one-tenth of a base runner better than Wood. I guess while we're here, we may as well give Joe Wood some credit because he was kind of in the ballpark competing with Walter Johnson when no one else was was really that close. So uh, Walter Johnson takes down uh, spot number four. Number three is 1972 Steve Carlton, uh, his first year with the Phillies after starting with the Cardinals. Uh, Carlton was 27-10, and 10, had a 1.97 ERA, 0.99 whip, and 310 strikeouts. On the raw numbers, that looks like a season that could be ranked first overall. You know, 27 wins and whip under one and ERA under two and more than 300 strikeouts. But there were a bunch of pitchers who had good years in 1972. Carlton finished fifth in whip behind Roger Nelson and Don Sutton and Catfish Hunter and Gaylord Perry. He was third in ERA behind Luis Tiant and Gaylord Perry. Uh, with the Red Sox and Indians, respectively. Uh, Carlton led in wins with 27, uh, but his 310 strikeouts was second behind Nolan Ryan. So you put it all together, and Carlton had an awesome year and was the best pitcher in baseball, uh, but he didn't dominate any one of those categories the way it gets dominated by the guys who are above him on the list. And so uh, we'll move up to number two, and it's Pedro Martinez. We're going to go with the 1999 Pedro uh, with the Red Sox. He was 23-4, and four, had a 2.07 ERA, 0.92 whip, and 313 strikeouts. In 1999, uh, Martinez led all of baseball in wins, ERA, and whip. Finished second to Randy Johnson in strikeouts. His year 2000 season was even more dominant, but he only won 18 games. His 1.74 ERA was 0.84 better than the second best pitcher, and that was Kevin Brown with the Dodgers. Uh, just in terms of fantasy value, uh, the 1999 season in which he won five more games and struck out 29 more batters probably gives him a, a bit of an edge. But 99 and 2000 Pedro were untouchable. And, and you could even look back, if you want to throw another honorable mention for Pedro Martinez, his 1997 season with the Expos, uh, his last season with them, was set, he was 17 and 8, had a 1.90 ERA, 0.93 whip, and struck out 305. Just at his peak, Pedro Martinez was about as good as it could get. And that will take us to our number one uh, fantasy starting pitcher, and, and that is Sandy Koufax uh, of the Dodgers. And we'll pick his 1963 season as the uh, the one to beat. And he was 25 and five, had a 1.88 ERA, 0.87 WHIP, and 306 strikeouts. You know, in that year in 1963, he led in strikeouts, ERA, WHIP, tied for the the lead in wins. Uh, and so it's tough to do much better than that. Uh, in 1965, he led in all four categories, in wins, ERA, whip, and strikeouts, going 26-8 and eight with a 2.04 ERA, 0.86 whip, and 382 strikeouts. That's a, uh, a wild season there from Sandy Koufax. And, and so that was his 65. His 1966 season, his last season of his career, he was 27-9, and nine, had a 1.73 ERA, a 0.98 whip, and 317 strikeouts. He was first in wins, ERA, and strikeouts, with 65 more strikeouts than second best uh, Jim Bunning that year. And he was third in whip. And I guess that's that's how you know it's time to retire when uh, you're not r- running the uh, the table in, in terms of all the pitcher categories. So uh, Sandy Koufax at his peak, uh, Pedro Martinez at his peak, uh, those are the the seasons that you can strive for as a starting pitcher that because they're about the best we've seen. 
Anyway, you can see that in the modern day starting pitcher doesn't tend to put up these kinds of numbers because they're pitching 200 innings per season instead of 300. This is what happens when you start 30 to 33 games per season. And the stats say that the third time through the order is death. So uh, it's a rarity for baseball pitchers to put up uh, huge seasons anymore, but it does make it all the more valuable for the ones that do. Uh, and that's like Garrett Cole last season, like Clayton Kershaw in his prime, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, etc. Those are guys that still put up great numbers as starting pitchers, have even more value, uh, at least relative to the rest of the starting pitchers. So that will uh, wrap up our uh, top 10 seasons for starting pitchers. And so you can hit me up with your questions. I'm at by Scott Cullen on Twitter. The show is at LO underscore fantasy MLB on Twitter. If you want to send an email, direct it to LockedOnFantasyBaseball at gmail.com. Find us and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And that wraps up this edition of Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On Fantasy Basketball, where they're adding NBA draft expert Chad Ford to the crew. Ford is awesome, has long been one of my favorites, dating back to his days on ESPN. Have a great day. I'll be back tomorrow to look at the top fantasy seasons by closers. Stay locked in with Locked On Fantasy Baseball, your source for daily fantasy news and analysis.